Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. All right, testing, hello. Good morning. All right. It has been a while since I've stood here and shared a message. I think it was November or something like that. So it is great to be back up here. I'm excited for what the Lord gave me this morning to share. Um, But before we dive into that, I just want to take a little bit of time and welcome all of you. If you are visiting for the very first time, it is great to have you. Um, We would love to get to know you a little bit more. We do have a connection center in the lobby, as Jamie said. So just stop out there, get a free gift, ask some questions, uh, make a connection or two. Uh, We'd love to just get to know you a little bit more that way. If you're online visiting us, welcome. Um, This is your personal invitation to maybe come visit us in person sometime. um, And it'll be great to meet you then. So, cool. Ah, I hope you guys are having a great week, um, great month, great year so far. Uh, I know I have had a very high-paced beginning of the year, and it's been very exciting to still, like, to see in the, like, the high pace that the Lord is so faithful that He is doing a lot. And I don't know um, how often you've been here over the last few weeks, but the Lord's really been moving through the messages, through worship, through ministry times, and really been honestly blowing my mind just with um, His goodness, right? Uh, So just a few... Uh, things just refresh our memories over the last few weeks here. Uh, a few weeks ago, Cherie uh, preached a very vulnerable message that was on the hunger of the Lord and really spurred us on to be um, open to the Lord, open to each other, and with our walk with the Lord, and just really dive in with our hunger for the Lord. Uh, Larry Kreider came, spoke on revival, and a move of God and how it's not so much about the titles of revival and titles of movements and all of that, but it's more about God and what he's doing and how we can partner with it and how we can come alongside of the Lord and just be encouraged with whatever God is doing and how to partner with him. Merle spoke a message on personal revival, and I'm going to kind of um, use these things that we're talking, kind of walking through the last few weeks to kind of continue to build on. But Merle spoke on personal revival and how it's not about something out there. It's something that God's doing in us that we should be seeking, Lord, revive me, bend me, shift me into your image and work through me so that revival can happen out there, but that's not our focus. Our focus is, Lord, revive me. Um, so out of that, the Lord's really been moving. Our ministry times, the Lord's really been showing up and is really showing his character through that, that, that he's a healer, that he's comforter, that he's deliverer, and it's been very encouraging to me and I'm sure to many of you. So that's just kind of what's been happening, um, and that's kind of, we want to steward that well. We want to steward a move of God well, and yes, yeah, my heart this morning. But before we go much farther, um, I think one thing the Lord put on my heart during worship, and um, yeah, I feel like it's for now, is before I pray and get into it, the Lord just said, like, just wait before me. So we're going to take like a minute, a minute or two, and just focus on, our, on the Lord, on our Savior, just quiet. It might be a little uncomfortable for some of us, 
for most of us, but I really felt like the Lord said, I want you to reverend me in this way. So let's just take some time and just focus on the Lord. Uh, if you want to like, declare who he is to you, to him, you can do that, or just sit and listen for his voice. God, we love you. We lift you up this morning, Lord. Thank you for just the invitation that you extend to us to come into this place of worship together, to pursue you together as the body. Thank you for the invitation that you've given us to, uh, as it says in James 4, to draw near to you and that you will draw near to us, God. Thank you that you are personable, Thank you that you desire relationship with us, that you desire for proximity and union with us. So God, I pray, Lord, for this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would just open our hearts and ears to continue to hear what you are doing, God, to continue to see what you are doing. I pray specifically this morning that there would just be an outpouring of your revelation this morning of your identity and who you are to us, who you are um, as a whole, God, that you would just reveal to us a deeper understanding of you. Pray, Lord, that as I'm sharing this morning, that you would add to, take from anything that is prepared, that um, your heart would be shared this morning. Holy Spirit, we just want to partner with what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, this morning I titled my message, To Dwell in the House of the Lord, and the foundation message, or passage that we're going to be kind of rooting in is going to be Psalms 27. I'm going to read the whole passage and kind of look at aspects of it, um, but as I'm reading through this, it is a larger portion of scripture the first time I read through it here, um, so I really just ask the Lord to reveal certain aspects to it because there's a lot packed in it. Um, but as we are diving into it, we're going to look at three different things that will, if viewed correctly and walked in, will help us grow in this place of dwelling in the house of the Lord and what that means. And those three things, I kept them M words, so it's you know, just a little bit more fun, but motives, moments, and meditation. Those three things are going to be the kind of things that we unpack this morning a little bit, just kind of give you a little preview. Um, 
And again, I was really feeling as I was preparing for this morning that that verse in James 4, verse 8, that we've probably heard a lot the last few weeks even, um, the Lord's had on my heart for a while, is that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. I feel like that's his personal invitation to us this morning um, as we go through this, that if we intentionally take those steps towards him, he's faithful to draw near to us. So let's start by reading the passage. It might seem like a lot right off the bat. Um, it actually fills an entire page of my notes, so, <laughs> but it's going to be good. So just listen for maybe some things that the Lord highlights as we go through this. Um, so it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the refuge and fortress of my life. Whom shall I dread? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my adversities, or adversaries and my enemies, they stumble and fell. Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, even in this I am confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, and that one that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty, the delightful loveliness and majestic grandeur of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. In his tent, I will offer sacrifice of shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious and compassionate to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face in prayer, require my presence as your greatest need, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek on the authority of your word. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor leave me, O God of my salvation. Although my father and mother have abandoned me, yet the Lord will take me up, adopt me as his child. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies who lie in wait. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, For false witnesses have come against me. They breathe out violence. I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. So this passage... um, Probably about a week, a little over a week ago, um, I kind of constantly kind of read through the Psalms. Um, This is kind of like a practice that I do, and I got to this verse about a week or so ago, and the Lord was like, all right, stop at this chapter, and I've pretty much been camped out here all week, and the Lord's really been unpacking a lot, and one thing that really stood out to me through this, and really throughout a lot of the Psalms, as you really dive into it, is um, King David, his heart for the Lord, really stood out, especially in this area, 
of just his confidence that is rooted in God. Like, you read down over just this passage, and he's like, this and this and this happens, but I'm confident in the Lord. Like, but God, you are faithful. You protect me. He hides me in his shelter. You know, he's constantly stating these things, even though the things that are coming against him are huge. Most of us don't have armies encamping against us, right? Sometimes it might feel that way with circumstances, but like David's actually talking about a real army encamped against him, right? Like if you look through his life, like, but he was confident in the Lord. And as I was reading through this, I was just kind of asking the Lord, like, okay, like, this here, David, he lived, like, Old Covenant, Old Testament. Like, he wasn't, he didn't have, like, necessarily the Holy Spirit as we do today. So, like, what is it that he carried? What is it that he walked in that developed this level of intimacy with you, of confidence in you, and understanding of who you are? So, that's kind of what we're going to look at a little bit this morning. But what I felt like the Lord's direct answer to that question was in this passage was found in verse 4. Uh, it says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon his beauty and to meditate in his temple. That was the one thing out of anything that David could have asked, out of anything that he could have had, um, he had access to a lot. He could have, you know, asked for a million different things. His request was that he would just dwell in the house of the Lord. And um, it's powerful. Like, as we, as we dive in this, it's powerful to have that posture as we go through life. And I believe that's where his confidence came from in the Lord, um, along with some other things. But I think this is kind of the core and key for us. So um, as you read that, you might also think of Psalm 23, probably the most well-known psalm out there, right? The Lord is my shepherd, shout out one, goes down through. But that, the last two verses of that kind of almost seem like they don't line up with the shepherd analogy, but it does end with, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there, this is a common thing that David has mentioned through the Psalms that he's written. So what does this look like? Uh, I think we're going to unpack it just a little bit on a practical sense, the term itself, dwell in the house of the Lord. What does that mean, right? Uh, I think we need to start there before we dive into the other aspects of this. So the word dwell, most of us probably have a good idea of what that means um, for teaching's sake, I would just give the definition of it. It is actually, the Hebrew root is yashab, and it means to sit, to remain, to stay, to dwell, and to abide. All right, so that's that word dwell, which kind of lines up with probably what we're thinking, right? But then, what does the house of the Lord mean? All right, and this one, there's a lot of different thoughts out there, like the church is the house of the Lord, right? which is true. Like, that is referenced as that many times. Uh, there's some thoughts out there that, like, oh, the house of the Lord is, like, heaven. Like, some people would call heaven the house of the Lord, right? Um, but in this particular passage, if you, if you look into it, it's actually talking about the presence of the Lord. So, the actual presence of God. So, to cut that down, boil it down to the defined version of what that statement would say, it says, 
that David's one desire was to sit, remain, stay, dwell, and abide in the presence of the Lord all the days of his life. And here this morning, I want to let us know that we actually can desire the same thing, right? We do not have to um, look at heroes of the faith throughout Scripture and be like, oh, they had some sort of unique, special opportunity where only they can pursue that thing. But just as David pursued this, and I believe walked in it, we too can walk in this reality of dwelling in the house of the Lord. And to do so, there's a lot of different ways we can do it. And I'm not going to really give like bullet points of, oh, this is how we do this, because it's something that we kind of work out with the Lord, and like comes with like a person, because it's a relationship, you know, the presence of the Lord is a relationship. Um, and, sorry, I feel like it's moving a little bit. But yeah, so I'm not going to give us actual big steps, but I'm going to give general ideas of, okay, like these are some things that we need to focus on, that we might need to shift, that we need to direct a certain way if we want to walk in this reality of dwelling in the presence of the Lord. And that brings us back to those three M's, motives, moments, and meditation. So we're going to start with motives. Um, in life, everything is driven by a motive. We actually do nothing outside of motive. Whether we're feeling motivated or not, that's a different story, but there is motives behind it. If you feel like sitting around all day, your motive in that is to not do much. But it's still a motive, right? Like, so there's motives behind everything we do, whether it drives us to action or inaction, there's a motive. Um, and it's the same with our relationship with the Lord. So what motivates you in life? What motivates you in your walk with the Lord? Is it to be a good person or a good Christian? Is it to not go to hell and to go to heaven, right? Is it to um, have a cool community of fellow believers here on a Sunday morning in, in life groups? Um, Again, all good things. Or is it to have intimacy with the Lord? Is it to grow in our understanding of God? Like, what is our motive? Um, I'll take it a step farther. What is your motive for sitting in the chair you're sitting in this morning? Like, why are you here this morning? What's your motive behind that? I just want to challenge us in this to start thinking about it. Because um, anything in life that we pursue, so if we have vision for something, uh, this is true in business realm. If you have a goal for your business, what you're going to do is you're going to set up a game plan. You're going to have all that, but then you're going to have something that's going to drive that. You're going to have the motive of why you want to get there. If you have a vision without a vision statement or a vision without um, goals and like, okay, we're doing this so that this, that's what I'm talking about. I uh, recently heard a message um, and the pastor was in, had about 40 years of ministry and he said, this statement. He said, in 40 years of ministry, I observed two groups of people within the body of Christ. In believers, there's these two groups of people. There's those that seek the Lord for what they can get from him, and there's those that seek the Lord for who he is. And when you boil it down, it's true. Like, those are the two camps that we can sit in. Are we pursuing the Lord for who he is, or are we pursuing him because of what we can receive from him? Um, so, I feel like those two camps are painted pretty well in the story of Moses and the Israelites, and specifically by the Israelites and Moses. So if you don't know the story of Moses, Israelite um, were, for 430 years, they're under 
um, oppression and slavery to Egypt, and the Pharaoh was kind of slaving them away, making them make breaks and all that stuff, building his empire. And Moses um, was an Israelite through a chain of events, was raised in Pharaoh's house as, as royalty, um, but then, you know, through another chain of events, went out, became a shepherd, heard the voice of the Lord, and the Lord, through the encounter of the burning bush, gave him the game plan of, hey, I'm going to deliver my people from Egypt, and I'm going to use you, and this is how it's going to go. And what happens was, Moses goes, and the first thing he does when he goes to Egypt to walk out this plan is he goes straight to the Israelites, gathers up the elders of the Israel camp, and tells them the story of what the Lord's going to do. And it says that they bow down and worship the Lord. Now imagine 430 years of captivity and slavery, and the Lord announces that in your generation, I'm going to set you free. Just imagine the level of worship that was happening in that room of all, and like, whoa, like, yes. Like, it said that they bow down and worship the Lord. And then we see that Moses and Aaron, very next thing they do is go to Pharaoh and tell him the same exact story. Hey, our God's going to deliver us, and so on and so forth. Pharaoh does not have the same response. He actually curses Moses and Aaron, curses the Lord, and increases the workload of the Israelites. So that was, that was the very next thing he did. So I don't know if it was the same day, the same week. Don't have the exact timeline. But in that short timeline, workloads increased. Now the same exact people that were just worshiping the Lord, the Israelites, come to Moses and curse him because their workload was increased. They couldn't see past, you know, what was happening to see the faithfulness of the Lord. In that moment, they just saw the workload, and they went from praising the Lord to now cursing Moses, the man of God that God sent, right? And they specifically say, I thought I had it here. Sorry, my bad. Going off script here a little bit. But, yeah, so they, they curse Moses, and then we see... Ten plagues happen, and finally Pharaoh's like, all right, go, take your people and go. And what happens? The people of Israel then turn back to God, and they're excited because they are now uh, being delivered, and God's even providing for them. They plunder Egypt as they leave. They take their gold and livestock, and the Lord provides for them in that way. So again, another high. And then the very next thing they do is they come up against the Red Sea, and... Again, they cursed Moses, said, why do you bring us out here? Is there not enough tombs in Egypt that you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? So we see this very flippant, like, kind of flagging pursuit of the Lord in the Israelites, where when God's doing things, and it's very evident, like, his faithfulness is, like, in their face, they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. But then when things are a little hard, they drop down. We see the contrast of this in Moses, how he is constant. When it's hard, when it's, I mean, if you look at Moses, through this process, there was probably, it felt like there was more lows than there was highs for a large portion of this, uh, his walk with the Lord, all right? And 
he was so faithful to the Lord. And I believe the key to that is he understood who the Lord was, and that is why he seeked the Lord. It wasn't out of this place of what can I receive from the Lord, because if it was that, he should have just stayed in the palace and received whatever you know, he would have got from being in the royal household, right? Um, but if we read in Hebrews, um, man, I am all over the place. Hebrews uh, eleven twenty four through 26, it says this about Moses. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So Moses was accounted by his faith that he chose hardship for the Lord over plenty, but living in the sinful pleasures of the Egyptian world, essentially. Um, So Moses truly understood the goodness of God. He truly understood who the Lord was. And then turning back to David and um, the passage that we started at, David obviously very much so understood who the Lord was. You can read it all throughout um, the Psalms that he wrote, throughout First and Second Samuel, where it takes the account of his life and just kind of how he positioned himself with the Lord. Um, but if we read how he started off this passage, it says that in 20, sorry, Psalm 27, that passage, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? fear? The Lord is my refuge and my fortress of my life. Whom shall I dread? So there he's just declaring who the Lord has proved himself to be to him, declaring to the Lord, this is who you are. You are this God. You are this good God. Um, also, in Psalm 145, write it down, read it. Great passage. But I'm just going to read the first three verses. It says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. And we see this time and time again, where in the Psalms, David is declaring the goodness of the Lord. He's declaring who the Lord is is who the Lord is to him personally, who the Lord is as a whole, who the the scripture has spoken about, about the Lord. And so David understood this place of, I am seeking the Lord for the Lord, essentially, for who he is. So motives, what's driving you? Is it what you can get, or is it who God is that is driving you to seek him? That brings us to moments. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, I also don't have a lot of time there either. So, um, but moments is one of those things that, um, I don't know, I feel like when it's talked about, there's a few different ways people talk about it. And I don't want to glorify the moment itself, but there's moments with the Lord that really help drive us into this place of dwelling in the house of the Lord. If we want to dwell in the presence of the Lord, there's going to be times where we have these sweet moments with the Lord, whether it's personal, whether it's congregational here on a Sunday or at life groups, at conferences. 
There's times where the Lord shows up and there's evidence of it, right? Um, now, just a disclaimer in this. When I'm talking about moments, this is not a, necessarily even like a pinnacle of walking in the presence of the Lord. Like we're not living for the moments, right? We're living for the presence, not the moments, all right? This is not in any way like a token or a medal to wear, like, oh, like, I've pursued the Lord enough that he showed up in this way. It's not that. If you're viewing it that way, you should go back to the previous part and look at your motives, right? Um, what moments are is the Lord inviting us in to a deeper revelation of who he is. Whenever the Lord shows up in a moment, he is revealing to us a new or aspect of himself or deepening an aspect of himself to us, all right? So if we go back and our motive is to seek the Lord for who he is, then when we step into moments with the Lord where he's revealing himself, where he's manifesting in different ways, what we then do is we're like, all right, God, how are you speaking in this moment? What are you doing? Who are you revealing, or what are you revealing about yourself in this moment? And if we view it that way, what will happen is it's going to, one, deepen our understanding of who the Lord is, which will in turn essentially drive us deeper into this reality of all I want to do is to be in your presence. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord because previously I viewed you as this, this, and this. Now I view you as this, 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 and this, and this. Right, And as our understanding of the Lord grows and expands, our desire to be with him will also do so. So that's what uh, the importance of moments with the Lord is. And um, what will happen is as we pursue the Lord, as we pursue his presence, um, this will happen. There's going to be times where he shows up. It's not... um, a sign of how close you are to the Lord, of how much he shows up. Like, it's all in his reverence and his timing of how he does this thing. Uh, there's another uh, minister that I listen to sometimes who's very, um, yeah, like he walks in healing a lot and words of knowledge. And he has said on multiple occasions that there's very few times where he tangibly feels the presence of the Lord. He just has a confidence in it, knowing that he's walking in the presence of the Lord. There's manifestations of healing, of words of wisdom, but he's not getting that tingly, you know, like, good-feeling presence um, very often at all. Like, there's only a handful of times that he's encountered that, he said. Um, And I think there's something in that for us as well. Um, Because there's a few different ways, you know, just on a real practical sense, if you've not experienced moments with the Lord, what that can look like sometimes is there's tangible feelings. You'll feel like some sort of overwhelming peace. Maybe you'll feel like a physical like tingling or warmth or cooling feeling, um, uh, some sort of weight. And then there's physical manifestations of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit, so healings, deliverances, Miracles, signs, wonders. The Lord speaks in moments sometimes where you get words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic words, um, interpretations of tongues, visions, pictures, stuff like that um, are all things that can happen when we have a moment with the Lord. And it's all to reveal himself. Words of knowledge 
is a vessel for him to reveal himself to maybe another person, stuff like that. Um, so keep that in mind that when we have these moments with the Lord, whether it's here on a Sunday in life group, in your personal time with the Lord, ask the Lord, like, what are you revealing? What is it about yourself that you want to speak to me about in this moment? So those moments can really serve to deepen our desire to be with the Lord. So that brings us to the third M, and that's meditation. Um, This one here is going to be maybe a little differently than how we've heard it before, partially because I just wanted to stay with M's. I'm going to expand it a little bit more, but um, not fully. But um, a lot of times we hear this word of meditation in the church world as like strictly like meditating on the word, right? which is 100% accurate, 100% true, and 100% what we should be doing. But I believe this morning that I want to kind of make it a little bit more than that. As we meditate on the Lord, it's more than just um, reading Scripture and thinking about that Scripture. There's different ways that we can do that in the context of what I'm teaching here this morning. So um, the definition of meditating is if you meditate on something— you think about it very carefully and deeply for a long time. That's the definition, one definition I read that I really liked. I feel captures the heart of what the Lord wants to share this morning. So as we unpack this here, if we look at Psalm 27 again, we keep going back there. Uh, verse 8 and verse 14. Uh, verse 8 says, When you said, Seek my face, in prayer, require my presence as your greatest need, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek. And then verse 14 says, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. So we see in these two passages that It's talking about seeking the face of the Lord. And it even says, now this is the Amplified, but it says that require my presence as your greatest need, which I thought was so good. I love that. Um, And then in verse 14, it says to wait confidently with expectation that the Lord will show up. So as we meditate on the Lord, it's not this passive, like, I'm going to read and then just sit and just... Hopefully something, like, happens. But, like, it's this active coming before the Lord. And it could very much be the word. Like, read the word and be like, all right, God, I am expecting you to show up. I am expecting you confidently to reveal yourself, to speak, to move, to do something as I am dwelling on you, as I am focusing on you. Um, And... I believe that a large part of this meditating on the Lord is what I've kind of already hit on throughout. Uh, It's kind of a theme of the morning. I think it is the theme of the morning is we need to focus on the identity of the Lord, who he says he is. So I really encourage you that as you put this into practice, maybe start by finding some passages that speak about the identity of God. And maybe it's things that really stand out to you for your current situation. Maybe, you know, you're feeling really downcast or really, like, overwhelmed in this season or something like that. Find passages that speak about who God is that speaks directly to that. 
You know, God is comforter. He's provider. He's, you know, those verses. And just focus on that. The more we do that, the more we dwell on who the Lord is, what will happen is, again, similar to the idea of those moments with the Lord where he reveals himself. When we meditate on the Lord and dwell on who he is, he's going to continue to draw us deeper and deeper into who he is and into his presence because of our understanding of who he is. Um, That is his heart for us. Uh, Psalm 52.9 says, I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name for it is good in the presence of the godly. And then Hebrew 13.15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So another aspect, I believe, of meditating on the Lord in this area of dwelling in his presence is this idea of bringing praise and worship to him in that. So as we are before the Lord, as we're focusing on him, Part of focusing on the Lord is to bring praise and worship to him. Because when we're worshiping the Lord, it kind of pushes away the other distractions and the other things. So as we come before the Lord with the idea of, okay, I'm setting aside this time to meditate on you, I strongly encourage you, like, focus on who he is, focus on his identity, but then also focus on the things he's done for you. Bring thanks to him. Thanksgiving is a great way to get this stuff out of the way and focus on the Lord, thanking him directly. Um, and as you do this more and more, it'll become more and more natural that as things are happening, you're like, oh, thank you, Lord, for whatever. And this idea of thanksgiving will increase. John four twenty uh, three says, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So here we see it where the Lord is now seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. So um, as, as I read this, I can't help but go back again, third time I mentioned it, James 4, where it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um, I see that heart of the Lord in this passage where he's saying, I am seeking those that will worship me, those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. So when we are focusing on the Lord in this idea of worship, where like it's not... Watch how I say this, but um, worship is not necessarily only what we did this morning, all right? It was worship, but it's also possible to come into a moment like this and make it about the songs itself. Make it about, oh, how did I feel during worship? Oh, I don't know if I really felt that worship set, you know, like, mm, I would have picked different songs myself. I wouldn't have, though, Mike. That was amazing. Um, (laughs) But it's easy to get into that mindset what worship is, and this passage here, is worship in spirit and truth, all right? So worship in spirit, that can be worship being led by the spirit. Sing songs out of your spirit. Sing songs that are unique to you, to the Lord. Um, for some of you, that might sound beautiful. Some of you, it might just be a joyful noise. Do it anyway. Like, do it in your car as you're driving to work, whatever it is, because the Lord is seeking those that worship in that way. Worshiping in truth. Scripture is truth. We're, sing songs, sing scripture, you know, sing scripture to the Lord. Declare it to him. Worshiping also doesn't have to be singing, right? You can read scripture 
with a worship attitude to the Lord. You know, you can speak poems. You can, you know, do art as worship to the Lord. Find what, where your heart of worship is, how you like to worship the Lord, and do it in spirit and truth, because those are the ones that the Lord is seeking to worship him. All right, so again, meditating on the Lord can look through this way, through the scripture, through the faithfulness of the Lord, focusing on what he's done, meditate on those things, meditate on the identity of the Lord, meditate on the Lord through worship, through praise and thanksgiving, and doing all of this in a confidence and an expectation that the Lord will show up. So in closing, worship team, you guys can come up. Um, I just want to spend a little bit of time kind of recapping, bringing it all together, and I have a few questions that I'll ask to kind of um, get us thinking a little bit of how, even like where we're at in this, where our desires are, and kind of help get us in that direction of if our heart's desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord, how we can do that. Um, So, again, recapping here, we talked about David and his desire for the Lord and how he had such a confidence that the Lord is who he said he was, is who he says he is, and in that place, nothing could shake that. Not armies, not people throwing false accusations his way, no level of burden could pull him out of the reality of who he knew God was. And in that place, his one desire, the one thing that he asked of the Lord was to be in his presence constantly, to dwell in his presence. Uh, We looked at motives. What is it that drives you? What is it in your relationship with the Lord specifically that drives you to seek the Lord? Is it out of gain? Is it out of what can I get from this? Is it about chasing the moments that might happen on Sundays or conferences or, you know, is it that? Or are we motivated by the desire to know God and who he is? Is it based on the reality of who God is? We also looked at the moments with the Lord and how when viewed correctly that it will drive us even deeper in love with the Lord and to the deeper pursuit to be in his presence. And then finally we looked at meditating on the Lord and how out of this place of focusing on the Lord and allowing the Lord to speak, allowing the Lord to move and show up and reveal himself and the different ways we can do that brings us to this place where we now have some questions to ask ourselves um, and kind of do a personal assessment of where we're at and with some of this. So my challenge and questions to you this morning is one, if you truly, like David, have this heart where you're like, Lord, the one thing that I desire, the one thing that I seek after is to dwell in the house of the Lord for all the days of my life. Then my question is this, one, what is it that motivates you? Take a true assessment. Say, God, what is it that's been drawing me to you? What is it that gets me here on a Sunday? What is it that, you know, drives me to read the Bible throughout the week, maybe, or pray? Or what is it that 
yeah, what is it that drives me in my relationship with you? And I want you to be honest with yourself. It's between you and the Lord. And if that's out of place, if you're like, you know what? I've really been pursuing gain. I've really been pursuing what I can get out of it. Um, even if it's in just certain areas. Because there might be that where, like, in some areas you're like, oh, yeah. But in other areas you kind of, all right, this is my comfort. Like, take that to the Lord and ask him to bring alignment. Second question that I want you to focus on is, what is your response to moments with God? When the Lord shows up in tangible ways, on a Sunday morning in ministry time or during worship, during your prayer time throughout the week, if the Lord shows up, what is your response? How do you respond to those moments? Do you just mark it down as another good time with, you know, the body of Christ, mark it down as another good worship set, or do you actually view it as an encounter with the Lord, where he has spoken and revealed yet a fresh revelation of who he is to you? And then finally, last question I want you to focus on a little bit is how might God be inviting you in this season to grow in your meditation on him or your focus on him? Is he calling you into areas of worship that you haven't walked in? Is he calling you into meditating on the word like you never have before? Is he asking you to just maybe do a deep dive into understanding some of what the Bible says about him? Like maybe going on the study of the names of the Lord, something like that. Is there something specifically that the Lord is highlighting in this season for you? that will help you meditate and dwell on the Lord. So we'll spend some time in a worship song here and just kind of focus on some of that. Ask the Lord if there's anything out of this morning that there's action step for for you out of this or a shifting that has to happen. But I just want to read one more uh, passage of Scripture here just to kind of encourage us. Um, and then I'll pray. We'll let the prayer ministers come up. If you need prayer for anything, any kind of ministry, um, you can come up and get that. You can grab someone around you as well. Um, anyone can pray for anyone. You know, that's fine. It doesn't have to be the prayer ministers. Um, but yeah, and then we'll go through worship song, have a little bit of ministry time, and then I'll come up and close us out in just a few minutes here. But that passage that I'm going to read is Psalm 84, verse 1 through 4. It says, How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts! My soul, my life, my inner self longs for and greatly desires the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed and greatly favored are those who dwell in the house and your presence. They will be singing your praise all the day long. God, I pray, Lord, that you would be lifted high, that you would be glorified, God. Lord, we love you. We love your presence. God, our desire, my desire this morning is to never depart from you, God, to never depart from your presence. 
whether I'm feeling it or I'm not, God, let me dwell in the house of the Lord for all of my days. God, I pray that you would build in us a confidence this morning and an expectation that you show up, God. The same confidence that David walked in, God, when he can list all these things that are coming against him, but still state that my God is my fortress, my God is my strength, my shield, my hiding place. God, I pray that you would reveal to us this morning your heart for us specifically. Each person here, each person watching online, that you would just speak your heart to them specifically, God. You are so personable. Yes, Lord. God, I pray that as we respond this morning with a desire to draw near to you, God, pray, Lord, that as you've already stated, that you will draw near to us. God, we're not looking for another moment. We're not looking for another feeling. God, we are looking for you. We are seeking your face. Your face, O Lord, I will seek. We love you, God. We love you so much, Lord. Thanks for listening today. We would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.